0: Hello and welcome to episode number 395 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is Amanda and Sarah J. Mass. Her new book, House of Earth and Blood, the first in the Crescent City series, is out this week and it is a much anticipated release. This is her first adult fantasy title. We are going to talk about pretty much everything And we have questions from our Patreon community as well. I think they were probably as excited about this interview as we were. And I cannot tell you what a wonderful time we had talking with Sarah. This is so much fun. So much fun, in fact, that I think Amanda also needs to change her name to Sarah because that would make it more fun for Garlic Knitter to do the transcript, right? I want to say thank you to Emily Fisher, publicist at Bloomsbury, for coordinating all the pre-interview details. And thanks to our Patreon community for not only making the transcript possible, but for also submitting questions, particularly to Molly, Olivia, Danielle, Agnes, Taryn, and Stephanie. Your questions were wonderful. And even if I didn't include all of them, it was truly wonderful to help develop this episode with you. If you would like to join our Patreon community, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges begin at a dollar, and you get to hear about upcoming interviews with super cool people, like the one we have today. And, you know, I don't want to delay getting started. This interview is long and wonderful and so much fun, and I am so excited for you to hear it. So let's do this podcast thing, on with Amanda and me, talking with Sarah J. Mass.
1: I'm Clara J. Mass, and I am the author of a whole bunch of uh, YA fantasy books: uh, the Throne of Glass series, the Court of Thorns and Roses series, and a Catwoman novel. And um, I've got uh, a new, my first adult novel, Crescent City: House of Earth and Blood, coming out on March 3rd. So, yeah, I'm a I'm a writer. Uh, I write a <laughs> lot of books. That's me.
0: Yeah, you know, books that no one has ever heard of. And, you know, you you didn't sell out, like, a whole auditorium uh, theater in in London for your book tour or anything like that. No. No, no. Which is amazing. Congratulations.
1: (laughs) Thanks. I mean, like, that kind of shit's, like, crazy to me still. I feel like I look at, like, I hear that. Like, I get the news that it's happened. I'm like who really wants to go see me babble on stage about like abs and like hot dudes and utter nonsense. But I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, but it's, it's still kind of blows my mind that anyone wants to come see me. <laughs> uh,
0: many, many people, many, 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 many. <laughs> so adult debut. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that adult fantasy novel is my second favorite unintentionally naughty term my favorite being adult services librarian um adult fantasy novel sounds like it could go in many directions oh my i mean you don't even know i've actually had one person
1: in the past um it was some dude, some like old ass dude. Of course dude. it was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I could tell you so many stories about like the dude things that have been said to me when I describe my writing. Um, but when this was years ago. Um, and when I said I write teen fantasy novels, he was like, what, <gasps> what kind of fantasies? Mm-hmm. And I was like, the like, one's like Frodo. In Lord of the Rings. Was, what kind of fantasies are you talking about, bro? Uh
0: um, yeah.
1: And so like he literally like he went to like a very strange uh like sexy place with my two <laughs> fantasy books. <laughs> um who I guess had never heard of fantasy as a genre before. Um but yes, this is my adult fantasy novel that does actually have a bunch of uh sexy times, um <laughs> but um is yeah, definitely. Hardcore, like real fantasy, not just
0: sexy ones. What was different about writing this versus earlier books? Like, is there a, did you notice a a difference in addition to the sexy times Um, between writing this and your prior series? Not really. I mean, I think there's, I've been asked this question a
1: lot, um, you know, as I've been doing media for Crescent City. And um, I've really been reflecting on, you know, why people keep asking me, what's the difference between writing YA and adult? um and for me there's there wasn't much difference beyond the fact that i could get away with saying fuck like 10 times on a page if i wanted to um I mean, there were so many fucks in this novel that I <laughs> yes. my editor and I had to go through it and just like switch it up every now and then for some variation. Did um, they like uh, control F for fucks and they're like
2: Sarah <laughs> we're, we're clocking 500 fucks in this manuscript right now.
1: Yeah I mean we just like but it was like cool because I it was you know, one of the first times that I just was like, fuck this, fuck that, motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't like, I wasn't like, uh-oh, can I get away with it? And instead the issue is just finding some variation of, you know, square word. <laughs> um, but I mean, there wasn't much difference. And I think there's kind of this misconception out there that writing young adult is easier and simpler than writing adult novels. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I, yeah. And like, I mean, so many, you know, YA books are just as complex um, and deep as adult books out there. Um, And when it came to writing Crescent City, I mean, my process was basically the same as what it was for my young adult books, you know, the deep dive into characters, into the world, um, you know, building the romance. Um, So, I mean, I I guess it sounds a little like silly, but like really like the only thing that um, was different was, you know, the cursing and then, I mean, my my court of thorns and roses books have are are definitely for an older audience. Um, I mean, I originally sold those as new adult, um, but they new adult didn't really become like a thing in a like a section of Barnes and Noble. So um, my publisher was the one who made the decision to shelve it in YA. Um, but the content in a court of thorns and roses is very. Graphic. I mean, I when the second book in the Court of Thorns and Roses series came out, I mean, there's a like three day sex marathon in that book. <laughs> well
0: I, played, by the way.
2: Sounds <laughs> like my President's Day weekend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually. So my family, like, oh God. God, God bless them. My family, you know, reads my books. Like my parents, my grandma, they all read my books. <laughs> um, I mean, my dad and I have this understanding that, like, you know, he just skips over those pages. <laughs> but, so when the second Court of Thorns and Roses book was about to come out, um, I called my grandma and I was like, Grandma, I'm going to send you one of my copies. Um, but I just want you to know that there is some very explicit sexual material in this book. And my grandma was like, "Well, that sounds right up my alley."
0: <laughs> was, Please like,
1: tell me the page numbers. Oh my god, I was like, "My whole life is a lie." Like, who are you? Like, who is this woman who like like loves raunchy romance? Um, yeah, so I mean, those books had like you know a lot of sexy times content. Um, so I mean, even the content in Crescent City, I think, is on you know, it's on the same level as what's in the Court of Thorns and Roses book. Um, even some of the later Thorn of Glass books. So, I mean, that wasn't much of a shift for me. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, it really wasn't that much of a, a big change.
2: I did have a question. This was not on the list. So apologies, yeah. but it came up. So while two you were
0: trains, <laughs> two trains are leaving state. Yeah. We're going to, we're, we're just dropping in math. <laughs>
2: uh, you mentioned uh, a court of Thorns and Roses. It's always a mouthful when I. Oh my! We call it. We call it. I call it Akatar. Akatar.
0: Okay. So does the internet? That's very handy.
2: (laughs) Um, I will in my brain. I never know how to pronounce that. Uh, uh, acronym. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Akatar, Akamath, Akawar, (laughs) Akafat. Um, but the that series is getting new covers. I yeah. saw. Um. and they look more adult is that like kind of like a conscious decision to be like hey yeah. this could possibly be shelved in the adult fantasy sci-fi section
1: yes yeah, so that's that was actually my I mean my publisher and I have had many conversations over the past few years because I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this from other writers but you know we're constantly looking years down the road at you know what is going to be coming out and you know for me, like, I know it's coming out in like 2024 at this point. Um, and we knew that the upcoming, um, ACATAR book, the Nesta novel, which I read through your questions and it seems we have a lot of people wanting to know about that book. Um, <laughs> that book I knew from the start was going to be firmly adult. And when I got the idea for these Akatar, I guess, off novels slash continuation of the series, um, I wanted them to be adult. I didn't want them to be shelved in YA anymore. And so the decision to repackage the um, the Acatar book, the earlier Acatar books, um, with you know adult covers, or what I guess the industry considers to be more adult covers, um, is kind of the setup for the Nesta book um, being released, you know, as an adult novel. Um, and I hope my publisher doesn't mind me talking <laughs> about the inner <laughs> of visions. Um, but yeah, so they wanted to release them, um, before the Nesta novel comes out, um, just to kind of hopefully God willing, uh, introduce me to a new, you know, adult fantasy audience. Um, and then, you know, maybe give, Readers of the series a chance to reread the books with exciting new covers, Um, and it was I mean they my publisher came up with the idea of um, having tattoos featured on the covers, um, which because tattoos are I think in all of my books at this point, Mm, Um, especially in the Akatar ones, Um, and so we spent you know a couple weeks or maybe even months trying to find the right tattoo artist, you know, like browsing on Instagram. Um, trying out like different styles, and then we found these guys um, I'm blanking on their name right now because I just did this crazy like boot camp workout and every part <laughs> of body shaking right? I'm literally sitting at the table, like my limbs are jelly right now, and so is my brain. Um, but we found these guys um, who are based out of Switzerland, I want to say. Um, and their art was just fantastic and kind of captured the mood of the um, Akatar series and they actually read the books um, and loved them, which means a lot to me when, you know, a cover artist actually takes the time to read the material they're creating the art for. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm so happy with how they turned out. And I've just got the final art for A Court of Mist and Fury, um, which I guess we'll be revealing soon, but it's really fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, it's been like exciting to see them kind of repackaged in this new way with this cool color scheme. Um, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully people like them, um, as much as I do.
0: I think just focusing on tattoo art is such a brilliant maneuver because it also sends a very clear signal of the age line. Mm -hmm. That's so brilliant. And I'm sure we have a, we, we want to ask you about fan art, um, do you do you have like a, a a collection of people who have tattooed your work on themselves? I always find that to be such an incredible compliment. Oh
1: my god. I mean, the tattoos when people show up to my events with tattoos of quotes from the books or, you know, illustrations on, you know, it's just like tattooed onto them. Like I I mean, it's it's still a little overwhelming for me cuz I mean, I don't have any tattoos. As someone who writes about a lot of tattoos, I have zero. Um And I think I probably have tattoos in my books because I am so scared of getting one myself that, like, out all my fantasies of getting cool tattoos. Um, But so, I mean, you know, the the act of permanently inking words or images onto their body from my books, you know, that that is huge. Um, And that I mean, it touches me. I mean, it, it moves me so deeply that someone wants to do that. I mean, I've had people come up to me at events and have me just sign my signature on their body, um, like literally take a Sharpie and like sign on their arm or their back. And then they've gone to the straight to the tattoo parlor where the artist would, like, as far as they told me, would just ink over like what I had written on their skin. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, and, but then there's so much pressure with that because I'm like, shit, like, what if I fuck up my signature? <laughs> and, and then, like, sometimes, like, their skin's a little sweaty. Um, and, <laughs> so, like, the Sharpie, like, well, like, like it's not, like, a smooth, easy surface to write on, like, you oh, know, like, no. like like sweaty human skin. And so I'm just, like, in like my hands are already shaking from the pressure and then the surface isn't ideal. Um, And so it just, it is so stressful for me, but also like so freaking cool that like someone wants my like shitty ass signature on their body. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it is. And then, I mean, the fan art, I mean, you're seeing, seeing anyone, I mean, anyone take the time to be creative with my books and, you know, express their enjoyment and love of the books through their own creativity. I mean that that's amazing to me. I mean, I've, I mean, I, I like now that I have a baby, I'm barely online these days just because I'm either working or with my son. Um, but I mean, I get sent fan art periodically just from like awesome friends of mine or. Um, readers that I've come to know quite well who have just been like, hey, check this out. And I mean, it blows my mind. Like it, it blows my mind, especially when someone captures a character so perfectly, like just how I saw them in my head that I'm like, it's, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't have the words to describe how, <laughs> how cool that part of the job is for me. I
0: I cannot imagine, especially because it's, I believe I read this in a completely different, um, subject, uh, uh, genre, but that the idea that creating in response to the things that we love is a fundamentally human thing to do, but it's also the deepest level of engagement that when you are so moved by something you are, you are driven to create in response Mm -hmm. is like a fundamental human connection. And it's so cool that your readers are, are connected with your books like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that just, yeah, I mean, it, I'm like literally like struggling for words to convey. Like, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I <laughs> find that, especially since you know, like, I my like people always ask like, what's your daily you know writing schedule like? Like, where do you work? What's your like office setting? And like, no one understands is that like I write in my like you know spandex yoga pants and like a dirty old T-shirt with my hair in a scrunchy, like unwashed. For five days, like I only wash my hair when my scalp hurts. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, like. You like put your hair up in a ponytail, and you're like, "How? Like what's happening here?" Like that's when I'm like, "Oh shit, I need to shower." Um, but I mean, I create in such a golem-like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Don't like just, the words. <laughs> but it's just it's really like cool to see you know. My work go out there into the world, and then kind of come back to me in a different form, like in in the form of fan art, or music, or people have made you know short films, or you know any any kind of creative medium. Um, It's just that's that's really amazing to me.
0: So, what is the 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 abbreviated hashtag for Crescent City House of Earth at Blood? Is it CC Heb Heb CC Heb Heb Wait, Heb Crack?
1: I have. No, I I have not gotten to the point web crack. I mean I've been, I've been manually like typing out like hashtag Crescent City, hashtag House of Earth and Blood. And it is getting really fucking old at this point. <laughs> I like I, I I write up like all of my captions in like a like a note before I post it on Instagram. And like it doesn't autofill. So I have to like make sure like each thing is correct. Um, right. but I feel like yeah, House uh, of Earth and ho 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 <laughs> I don't know this is so, a very difficult decision
0: so what was What led you into the CC Hoab world? (laughs) What was your point of entry for this, for this story? I want to ask you about it. I have so many questions from our Patreon community about Akatar, and Nesta and Nesta. And in fact, one of my questions for you was, what is your most common question from readers? And I think I already know the answer to that one. I mean, nowadays it's just Nesta
1: this, Nesta that, Cassian this, Cassian that, um, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, so with Crescent City, um, I mean, I got this idea years and years ago. Um, and I mean, I was a big fan and writing, you know, epic high fantasy at the time. But one of the things I probably read the most um, is paranormal romance, urban fantasy. Like, I love them. And I, you know, massive fan of J.R. Ward, Nalini Singh, Karen Marie Moaning. Like, I mean, I could go on and on. And like, I mean... Those authors are my idols. And I mean, when I would read their books, I just was like, damn, like I wish I could write. <laughs> like, you know, like I had no ideas, you know, for a paranormal romance, urban fantasy type of book. And so, you know, I just stayed firmly in my epic fantasy, um, old school fantasy type of thing. But then, like a couple of years ago, I was, I guess it was more than a couple of years ago, I was on tour for one of my books can't remember which one, um, but I was on an airplane flying between stops and I was listening to this piece of music from um, the Gravity soundtrack. You know that movie with Sandra Bullock where she's yeah. in the It's one of my favorite movies ever, by the way. I have never sobbed so hard in a movie as I did at the end of Gravity, uh, like literally to the point where the seat was shaking, like my entire row <laughs> was shaking with me because I was like, physically convulsing with sobs. Um, But that's a whole long story about like, you know, how it moved me and whatever. Um, But I was listening to this piece of music from the soundtrack on this plane. um, And all of a sudden I just saw this scene play out in my head um, that wound up being the climax of the novel, which I can't even speak about without spoiling it. Um, and I had no idea who these characters were, what this world was, but I saw this moment play out, like, like a movie in my head. And I, in the middle of the airplane, began crying. And in case it isn't clear already, I cry a lot. I'm a very <laughs> I cry all the fucking time. Um, I just get very moved by things. Um, but I, yeah, I heard this piece of music and I saw this scene like pop into my head um, with these two characters at this pivotal moment. And um, I couldn't get it out of my head. I, I I listened like for that entire flight, it was probably like an hour flight between cities. I listened to that piece of music over and over and over and over again. Um, just, focusing on that moment. And each time I listened to that piece of music and went through that moment again, um, you know, I zoomed out a little more on the characters, on the world, on what was happening. I began asking myself, who are these people? Like, why are they in this like situation? What is this situation? Um, and I think by the time I got off that plane, um, I had the kernel for Crescent City and I realized, oh shit, like, This is my paranormal romance, urban fantasy slash modern fantasy novel that, you know, I've always wanted to write, um, that combines so many of the things I love and find to be sexy, you know, angels and vampires and fae, um, and then in this urban setting, um, and I daydreamed about it for years, um, you know, slowly building these characters in my head. And then um, I began writing it in secret for years, um, kind of between um, deadlines for books or if I had a little bit of extra creative energy at the end of a day of working on either Throne of Glass or Akatar, you know, I would just pound out a couple thousand words of it. um, And I didn't tell anyone really that I was working on it. And, um, you know, after a couple of years I had probably around 250 pages, very rough pages. Um, But I knew that this was a story I I had to tell. And um, as the Throne of Glass series was wrapping up and we were looking ahead, again, publishing likes to plan things years and years and years in advance. Oh, um, yes. You know, they wanted to know what did I want to write next? And this was the story. This was the story that was close to my heart in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, you know, I think I sold it to my publisher with a one page synopsis and my Pinterest board for it. Uh, (laughs) I'm not even joking. I am not even joking. Um, my, I have not, I have like not used Pinterest in years, but like the, like initially, like very early on, like it was just so like I had a Pinterest board for it as a way to kind of like, you know, get inspiration. Um, have some idea, like, you know, keep track of some ideas, um, And so I sent my publisher like the one page synopsis because the, the shit that I'd written at that point was not like ready for human eyes at all. Um, (laughs) Maybe my dog's eyes, but not human eyes. Um, But so I sent them like the one page synopsis. And then I was like, in case like you just need like a sense of the vibe of what I am going to write, like here is my Pinterest board. Um, And yeah. And so we sold it to them and then I actually had to write the damn thing. um, And yeah I mean what I wrote initially has now been edited and you know rewritten a million times over but um i find i think i final like the the final version of the book is what you know thank God like popped into my head originally, like what I wanted to capture originally um yeah, so it's kind of been this like years long journey wow. like, secret project that became a real project um and is now like. But like a couple days away from being out in the world um, as a a real book, which is freaking crazy.
2: Speaking of final versions, I do some work at a an independent bookstore, and we received uh, copies yesterday. Oh. So I was able to take a look at the the finished book because I just have an arc of it, and it is stupidly gorgeous. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I am. Ups- I am obsessed with this book. I am. Um, I know that like a lot, most authors don't get control over their covers, you know, how the book looks, but I'm fortunate enough to work with an amazing publisher who um, includes me in the process and wants my involvement in the cover process. And so, I mean, we like basically you know, God, this process must have started. Two years ago, um, my husband and I found the artist for the cover um, by browsing my like old ass Pinterest board for Crescent City, um, <laughs> and we yeah we sent the like the link to the artist whose work uh, Carlos I'm gonna butcher his last name I'm just gonna call him Carlos because <laughs> I don't want to sound stupid um, but he like his work was I mean the vibe of it and like what he draw, like, you know, like lots of like angels and demons type of stuff was exactly like, it was almost like he reached into my mind without knowing it. Um, And like, that was the vibe I wanted. So my publisher reached out to him and um, contacted him and he read, I think a partial version of the manuscript that um, was still pretty rough, um, but he created um, the cover based, the cover art based off of that. And, I mean, I was so blown away by it. Uh, his, I mean, his original art for the cover was so beautiful um, that when Bloomsbury, my publisher, decided they were gonna, it would look more striking if they did a red wash on it. Um, like I thought it would be kind of sad to lose that beautiful original art. Um, So we made the decision to have the original art be the end papers inside. So you've got the red cover with like the, the gorgeous like red wash to it, which I love, but then you open it up and you've got the end papers with the full, like original, you know, untinted artwork. Um, And then. um, There's a map. I'm a sucker for a map. Oh my God. And then the map, um, my publisher suggested a couple different, um, Map artist, and I mean, this woman just, I mean, she knocked. I mean, like, we, my, I sent her a map that was so stupid and horrific. Like, I can't draw. I have. Was so no it a hand drawn map? <laughs> I sent her a hand drawn map that was like, this is like roughly where this should go. Like, it was so. I should like almost post the picture of the map that I sent and like what she made because yes. she took like what I would consider to be an idiot's drawing and move an <laughs> <laughs> amazing map out of it. Um, and then I love, like, there are little secrets with the, like, you know, you take off the jacket and then the front of the book is stamped with like this, the gold crescent moon, which I, I, that was me. Like I told them, I was like, <laughs> moon stamped on there. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel weird taking credit for that, but um, yeah. And so, I mean, every part of the book is beautiful. And then, I mean, we, I mean, we were, like, very hands-on with, you know, just the title page, like, adding in the art kind of in the background of the title page. Um, and, then and the like, paper the, the paper texture is, like, very
2: thin. It reminds me of, like, oh Bible paper. Oh, my God. Don't get me
0: started
1: off. <laughs> I, okay, so I, literally, I literally call them Bible pages. Um, and they started – after a Court of Mist and Fury came out, that was my longest book to date. And the book was so long that when they printed it on the normal paper, it took up a lot of shelf space. And I mean, these are kind of like the nitty-gritty, you know, aspects of publishing that aren't that like fun to explain or talk about, but basically you, uh, can, you, you This can, is actually fascinating, okay. so please don't stop. <laughs> okay, well, you can't fit that many copies. If the book is like 3 inches thick, you can't fit that many copies. On a shelf, um, you know, in a bookstore. So, you know, when the stock runs out, you know, it's you know, often just left as empty space. Um, or if you have like an end cap, you know, you can wedge in like one, maybe two books instead of, you know, three or four. Um Mm -hmm. and so after Mist and Fury, um my publisher decided to print on thinner paper so that we could have my long ass books, um, but not have them gobble up all the shelf space. Um, and and so I think the next book that came out was a Throne of Glass book, um, which was even longer than Mist and Fury. Um, so that was the first time we had the Bible pages. And to be quite candid, I hate them. I have told readers <laughs> I hate them. I think my readers hate them. But the reality is, is that certain retailers that I won't name, um, like, you know, won't take books that are over a certain thickness, which is also crazy. Um, again, because of shelf shelf space and depth. Um, and so, um, in order for me to tell the stories that, you know, the way they need to be told, which is as long ass books, um, you know, we have to kind of compromise and have these Bible pages. So, Uh, Yeah, I mean, and and I yeah, it's weird for me. I mean, when I was I'm doing this giant virtual signing for um, Crescent City. I mean, you should see the state of my house. I have like 2000 boxes of books overflowing from every room. Um, But like, I mean, when I was signing the books, I mean, I was so scared every time I opened up the book that I would rip the page um, just because they're very very delicate. My yeah, board I'm board.
2: I'm worried I'm going to be like a bull in a china shop <laughs> and just like turn the yeah. page
1: too aggressively. Yeah, wear like a silk glove and delicately turn <laughs> the page. Like you're going through an ancient manuscript. Um, yeah, but so the Bible pages are kind of, uh, I guess, a necessary evil for, you know, in order for me to be able to tell these really long stories, Um you know we kind of have to compromise with that otherwise and i mean like there was a point so with kingdom of ash the final Thorn of glass book um i mean we printed on bible pages for that um but the book was still freaking huge i mean that book was so long um just cuz you know it was the last book in the series and i wanted to cram in everything that i could possibly you know wrap up Um, but we, then the book was a thousand, it was over a thousand pages by the time it was done. And about three days before it was supposed to go to the printer, I get this email from my editor, um, or former editor, um, now, but, um, saying the book is too long. Um, it has to be under a thousand pages because the glue that we purchased to bind the book can't hold anything over a thousand pages and if it's longer than that, pages will literally fall out of the book once it's printed. Holy crap. This was with three days and I had everything I wanted in the book um, you know like it was done, it was I was proud of it. it was perfect in my eyes. Um, and I was like, I don't fucking know what to do.'re
2: like, what if I just took like- out all the commas?
1: Yeah. We don't need
2: punctuation.
1: I mean, I, I was like frantically going through stuff to try and find little like things to cut. Like if there was, if there was a chapter where there was kind of a dangling, you know, three lines on like one page and the rest of it was empty, like trying to find three lines on like throughout the chapter where we could maybe bump that, you know, like to save pages. But in the end, my publisher wound up I think, like, tweaking the margins or maybe bumping up the chapter headings a little bit so that wow. a dangling... Th- like, they worked some magic, so it clocked in at, I think, 996 pages. That's that, like,
2: college term paper magic right there. like, yeah. the change the <laughs> font, we're gonna... <laughs>
1: oh my god well so i actually do that shit with my manuscripts they're so long um that i make the margins like wider so that the page count is lower even though the word count is still the same but it makes (laughs) me feel better like when i send in the book to my editor and it's like you know 800 pages instead of a thousand pages um just because i like you know made like just widened (laughs) widened (laughs) the page a little bit more um yeah i still i still do that even though it ultimately has no effect i mean um, it, i mean the books are based on you know word count, like the word the, the microsoft word document that i'm writing and you know doesn't impact the once they lay it out lay out the book and it's you know printed format it's all about the word count um so yeah but these are the glamorous things i've learned over the years <laughs> working as a writer
0: so it sounds like the the second book in the Crescent series will it's Crescent City series will be like Comic Sans eight point.
1: <laughs> I just took a, a sip of my tea and almost sat <laughs> it out. Sorry, I ordered my
0: brand new MacBook Pro. <laughs> a Sorry,
1: in, it's been christened,
2: is what just happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been baptized.
2: We're talking about Bible
0: paper. <laughs> So I am told by the cover copy by my copy by many pieces of material about this book that there is searing romance. <laughs> okay, first of all, heck yes, searing romance. <laughs> what is what kind of romance are we looking at here? Cuz as you know, we're a we're a romance site, we have a romance readership. Yes, yes. Uh, we we need to talk about that part. Yeah, and then it. I have a buttload of questions about Nesta and Cassian. Okay, Again, okay. with the searing, all of the searing Searing details oh, is what we're looking God. for here. All
1: right. This is my favorite subject. Um, yeah. I mean, you We got- like
0: you so much. Please come and be on the show every week. <laughs> I
1: really love that. Um, I mean, I literally, like all I read, if I have time to read these days, which is not that often thanks to a baby, but I mean, it's always romance, whether it's paranormal, contemporary, historical romance, like that is what I read. That is what I love to read. Um, yes. But we could discuss all that. In another podcast, at another
0: time, <laughs> i Yes, objective. when you're not on book tour. Um,
1: yeah, but so it, the romance in Crescent City is what I would call like slow burn, but also hate to friends to more. Um, where. Yes, Hunt hello, Bryce, thank you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hunt and Bryce, um, you know, the, the two main characters, like literally hate each other and curse at each other. And I mean, Bryce. Um, my main character, she hates, you know, the alpha male type. She calls them alpha holes. Um, and Hunt is sort of an alpha hole in some ways, but also surprises her in a lot of ways and challenges her ideas of, you know, you know, whether a man, you know, a man being assertive, a, ma- a male being assertive, cause he's not a human man. Um, he's an angel, uh, a very sexy angel assassin. Um, but, you know, whether, you know, him giving his opinion counts as, you know, him being an alpha hole. Um, so they have this very, like, I don't know, they're at each other's throats for a good section of the book, but both of them are pretty alone um, when they, they meet each other. Um, Bryce, because like most of her friends were murdered. Um, and then Hunt, because he's this assassin with a pretty brutal past um, and he doesn't want friends. Um, and the two of them become each other's person, you know, like to quote from Grey's Anatomy, um, like, you know, Hunt and Bryce become this dynamic duo together. Um, and I mean, the sexual tension is there from the start, um, but, you know, it definitely goes from hate to friends helping each other heal from their pasts um, to, you know, hot, sexy times um, that will continue. Definitely the arc of the sexy times will continue to greater levels in book two. <laughs> um, I will not spoil what it is, but I'm very excited for some of the sex scenes in book two. And I know that sounds so weird saying it, but um, there will be some like magic Involved, like magic, emotionally, but also like literal magic involved in some. Well, of those it's
2: like stuff. the 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 reins are off, and you're just yeah. like, I'm just gonna go
1: balls to the wall with this because exactly. I have the opportunity. Exactly, and I mean, like at this point, I've kind of gotten over my family reading my books so I'm just like you know what whatever I'm writing the books that I want to
2: read well you know uh, grandma's into it so yeah I mean
1: at least my grandma will support me my dad will just rip out those pages and pretend he never saw them uh <laughs> cool with me um but yeah so I mean the romance and then and the romance was one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book in the first place because I, I wanted it to be that slow burn hate to friends to you know more than that. Um like one of my favorite books ever is um Alice Clayton's Wallbanger. Have you guys ever Ooh, read Oh, that that's book? a good one. I love her oh, Hudson Valley series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I okay. And like that's one of my favorite like hate to friends. Like I love how they become like like buddies um to like, you know, Sexual
0: partners, <laughs> such an unto fuck buddies,
1: <laughs> fuck buddies, um, and then Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. Have you guys read that one? Oh yes, I I've read that book like five times. I love that book. Um, that's another one of my favorite. Like you know, hate to friends to more, um, and then I mean L. Kennedy's. God, uh, who's got a briar? You was there a doggy?
0: Do I hear a little doggy? Is that- <laughs> That's Zeb. He supports all of your book choices. He's very supportive of all of your favorites. He thinks you have excellent taste and cannot contain himself.
1: Oh my god! Um, well, yeah, Elle Kennedy writes like I mean, she writes. She's written a ton of romance books, um, and then she's got this like hockey series, like college hockey series. Um, I'm trying to remember the first. The, all the names are like blurring in my head.
0: Don't worry. Um, we'll, pull, we'll we'll list them all. No worries. Oh my
1: god. Um, what's the first one called it's driving me crazy is it the, the deal? deal the deal is the first one um where that is also like hate to friends to like more um and like i like that's like one of my favorite like tropes i guess uh, like aside from the marriage of convenience thing which like i also love um but yeah so yeah the romance in crescent city was one of my like the things that i just I mean I didn't like plan it ahead of time like I'm going to do this kind of romance it was just I had these two characters and when I put them in a room together like that was the kind of romance that unfolded um and it was really really fun to write
0: you have so much taste in line with Amanda I feel like you guys need <laughs> to just recommend books to each other yes. like I you your that. tastes line up perfectly <laughs> that's great so I have questions from our Patreon community. When I announced that I was doing this interview, I had this like response of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Oh gosh, and I'll it. just read some of the questions um, because they all have a very similar, similar theme. And I love that one of my questions, like I mentioned was, well, what are the things that your readers ask you most? I know the answer now. Yeah. <laughs> I am aware of the answer here. So Molly wanted to say that she loves Akatar. Oh, thanks. She Molly. wanted to know, she wanted to know how many books are going to focus on Nesta and Olivia wanted to wanted me to ask um, about Nesta and Cassian because it is her favorite ship, and if it was hard to write about Nesta it, given the reactions to the character.
1: Nesta's new book. Is, I guess I'll focus on like Nesta first, and then talk about the future plans for the series. But so Nesta, as of right now, I've I fin- sent in draft one. What, like back in early January and I have my edits on it, but I'm about to go on tour. So edits are taking a break. Um, but Nesta right now is just one book. Um, and my plan for these Akatar, you know, the the continuing Akatar series was to have it shift to romance parent, like one couple like per book. Um, and the first one is Nesta and Cassian. Um, and, Nesta, from the start, i mean when she when she appeared in the series in the original trilogy, um, I mean, I knew that some people were gonna hate her, some people were gonna love her. Um, I wrote her the way she appeared in my head and in my heart, um, and I had been waiting a long time to write her story um, and she this is actually probably the first time I've had to kind of talk in depth about. Nesta's story, but um, writing that book was a extraordinarily emotional thing for me that um, Nesta struggles a lot with her mental health, with facing her past, um, with healing um, herself and learning to love herself and open herself up to other people um, and there were some aspects of her journey that. You know, my my personal life never really works its way into my books, but sometimes I feel like I'd sort out my shit through writing my characters in my books. A lot of Nesta's, um, some of her her issues were ones that, you know, really resonated with me. Um, And it was hard to write, not because I was thinking about, you know, whether people liked her or not, but just because... I had to um you know open up that vein and let myself bleed all over the page basically um and so her journey um means a lot to me um you know the the romance with her and Cassian is like you know there is so much sex in that book that <laughs> One of, like, so I just got my first edit letter and my editor was like, so do we need all these sex scenes? Um, yes.
0: Yes, we do. Thank um, you.
1: To give you an idea of how, like, I, I thought I was being, like, I thought I reined myself in with sex <laughs> no, I'm not even joking because- there was a threesome scene in this book that I wrote that was so fucking hot. But then I like I cut it because I was like, no, this is like too much. Like my editor who like, you know, is totally sex positive for books. Like I, I knew I was like, she will like keel over dead if she reads this. <laughs> um, so I I refrained from including the like raunchy threesome scene you um, should
2: still include it as some I, kind of like pre-order bonus oh my
1: god i don't even know if i can release that into the world because it is like <laughs> <as> filthy <laughs> sexy as i have ever written filthy in the best possible way but oh my god um yeah
0: because- if our votes count for anything we both say yes definitely oh, really? yes Listen, absolutely yes we
2: had a a good review for a book with an alien hero who has mandibles so
1: <laughs> i think this
2: is nothing you fine. should bring
0: it out
1: yeah okay i mean yeah but so as of right now like i need to not tone down the sex because the content of the sex is fine it's just like there were some i guess like just so much sex that like my editor is like it's like you know some scenes where just not boring to her, but she was like, we could like do something else in this scene instead of them banging. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, so there is like plenty of like sex and you know the romance and like you know the build to it. Um but yeah, but Nesta's emotional journey and how she learns to face these dark and sharp and difficult parts of herself. Um, you know, that is something that it just it really moved me and was hard for me to write. I mean, I've I mean, I've not really talked about this publicly at all. But um, I mean, like I in the past this this year I started going to therapy for the first time in my life. Um, and I mean, I am now a big believer in therapy and medication. I mean, I struggle with you know severe anxiety and um, some depressive symptoms as a result of the anxiety. Um, and I found it, I don't know, not strange, but just the timing of it seemed almost faded that I was writing about a character going through all of this. And I'd planned Nesta's journey well before I was going on this journey myself. Um, but I found it, you know, really, it it helped me in a lot of ways. And I found it, you know, like, I don't know, the fate of the universe or something was playing into it where, Um, you know, Nesta was going on this journey. um, At the same time, I was, you know, finally going on this journey for myself. Um, And I mean, I told you guys about my boot camp that I was just doing this morning. um, And one of the things that Nesta does that helps with her anxiety and gives her a sense of focus is physical training and and exercise. Um, And I mean, I've been do I mean I'm a profoundly lazy person like I hate moving but I mean I've been doing this <laughs> program for like let's say 2 months straight um and I mean I find myself now like at, like the ni- like the night before like looking at like what's coming up for my workout the next day cuz I'm like excited to like get my ass kicked and it it clarifies something in my mind the movement and the breath and the sweating um so yeah, I mean that's not to say that like, you know, Nesta's book is like about me. that's not like her journey is still different from mine, but I think it allowed me to get deeper insight into her character um to also be going on a slightly similar journey at the same time um that she's going through it. Um so this book, you know, Crescent City was really close to my heart in a lot of ways because Bryce has a a slightly similar situation. Um, but this one really um, hit home in a lot of ways for me. And I've got a lot of work to do on the book still, a lot of editing to go before it comes out. I think it's supposed to come out in like a year from now, like maybe next February. Don't quote me on that. Um, But we've got a lot of editing to do before then. Um, But it's one of those projects that I'm really excited to work on. And I really hope will resonate with readers who maybe are going through similar Things um, and you know, hopefully, leave them with a sense of hope for themselves, and you know, maybe heal, healing, and you know, just. Um, I want all my books to leave my readers with a sense of, of hope and happiness, and that things can get better. I mean, that's very important to me, actually. Um, well,
2: someone who goes to therapy every week and has an appointment at two today? Welcome. Nice. Welcome to the therapy fold.
1: Oh man, I love it so much, and it's like I just told my therapist—probably weird to say this on a podcast—but I was like, I really <laughs> look forward to therapy once a week, um, and just because, and like I was like, just just because I have so much that I've realized that I I need to discuss and work through, and I actually it, once I get back from my tour, I. Asked my therapist to bump it up to twice a week just because I realized, like, holy shit, I got, I got a lot of things to tell you um, and a lot of things that I need help figuring out. I had never done therapy until this past, what, November. Um, and it's been a s- gradual life-changing thing um, along with, you know, medication. Um, but, I mean, I'm, it's a long road, but it's one that I'm so happy I finally started on. Um, And I was afraid, I mean, for a while to start to like, even do therapy, because I thought it would mean that I, you know, somehow was weak, or like, you know, I was afraid that they would put me on medication, because I had heard from other writers that, you know, medication, you know, fucked up your ability to create. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think I, I suffered for a while um, until it got to a really bad breaking point when I couldn't take it anymore. Um, cause I was so scared of not being able to function, like, you know, like not being able to create if I got put on drugs. Um, meanwhile, I think the medications that I'm on literally saved my life. Um, and they have changed my life. Um, and they have not affected my creativity at all. Um, And, you know, maybe it's different for other writers, but I just want to like put out into the universe, like if you are hesitant (laughs) to go to therapy because you are a creative type and you um, are scared that medication will mess up your ability to create, that was not the case for me. Um, It has not impacted that part of my brain. Um, It has allowed me to be able to create again without these anxieties and fears that were debilitating, interfering with, with it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a big supporter of therapy, I, medication. And, I mean, I also, I mean, I meditate four times a day and I exercise. And so like, I'm doing a lot of like self care things right now to, but I, yeah, I, it's been a, an interesting journey for the past few months.
2: I've done therapy for like most of my life. Uh, but then on the opposite side, I have a younger brother. He's 26 and I remember asking him one time, "Zach, would you ever consider going to therapy?" Uh, and his response was, "Why? Nothing's wrong with me." I was like, yeah. "Thank you so much, Zach, <laughs> as someone who goes to therapy every week."
1: Yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like, you know, that's the thing. Like, you. I, I think I had that mentality, like myself, where I was
0: like it's a very common if, stigma. If,
1: if you feel like you know, if going to therapy meant that something was wrong with me, and as someone who has, you know, tried to do my best my whole life, admitting that I was not okay, that there was something, you know, that you know that I was like suffering, like wasn't a, it wasn't a sign of weakness. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm, and I mean, I still. I mean, God, if my parents hear this, this will be the first time that they know that I'm going to therapy. I haven't told my parents yet. I just, I'm sure that's really weird. But like, that's the thing, like, I want to talk about it. Like, I want, because I I had this misconception in my head that going to therapy, being on medication was a sign of weakness, that it would somehow impact, the medication would impact my creativity. Because I had heard from other writers that it did, mm-hmm. and they had to go off their meds because they couldn't create um, and i mean i'm my family's breadwinner like i like you know my my husband works with me um full time and if i can't write then like we're fucked and so like i was terrified of like oh my god like if i can't write then what what do i do um but that wasn't the case for me and so even if it's ne- it's like strange for me and i'm sure i using the right terminology like i've never spoken about like the shit that goes on inside my head and what I've been doing to help myself. But um I feel like I I want to speak about it just for anyone who, you know, was like me or, you know, maybe like your brother, <laughs> like who just <laughs> you know, assign like, you know, nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. Um well and-
2: he's he's an attractive white dude who's never needed glasses or braces or anything yeah. in his life. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't surprised that this was his response.
0: Yeah. And it's really hard to explain the feeling of, oh, thank God I have therapy this week. I know where to put this feeling. Exactly. I have someone to talk to. The feeling of, I know what to do with this feeling and I know who I can get help with it from. I know who I can go to for help. That is the greatest feeling. And it's really hard to communicate that to someone who isn't aware that that's a thing that you can do.
1: Yeah. No. And I, I had no idea until I started going just what like how how powerful it would be. I mean, I tell my I, I tell my husband everything. I mean, like we are like sharers in our, yeah. our family, but yep. like he know like he knows what he know, he knows about the the struggles and episodes that I've had in the past, but I mean, he's not a trained medical professional and this past fall it it got to a point where um like I basically had a 2 week running panic attack that you know oh, it, it wasn't no. like the panic attack where that like some of my friends have had where you know they can't breathe or sitting on the floor like it was a more and I didn't know it was a panic attack until my psychiatrist told me that you know like panic attacks don't just have to be like you know unable to breathe you know sitting on the floor like it was like a full body like sensation like my body was full of acid um and you know just like crying and flipping out and like, you know, I was, I was a mess. And um, I'd had similar episodes in the past, but ones that had usually gone away after a day or two, but this one wasn't going away. And I was looking ahead to the future and I was like, I, I can't, I can't imagine a future where I have to keep going through this, or I get to a point where this just doesn't stop. Um, And I, that was the point where, you know, I've got this, my son now, and i you know I decided to go to therapy partially for him to you mm-hmm. know get better for him, but also for myself um so because I was just i was suffering and but it took me a long time to realize that I was suffering um, and but then the act of being able to go into someone and explain what I was going through and actually have someone explain to me what I was going through like i would ne- if you would ask me beforehand like if I had anxiety and depression, I would have said, no, absolutely not. Um, but as I've been working with my therapist, I mean, she's explained to me, like, you know, she has explained, like, yeah, you do have those things. Um, and, you know, like, and giving me ways to, to manage them and face them and understand, you know, what is unique in my brain and, you know, part that causes these things. Um, so, I mean, it's an ongoing journey, but it's one that I am so grateful that I finally started going on.
0: I am so glad that you did. I mean, you've never met me, but I am so very, very glad that you did because it is not worth the agony of thinking, all right, I just have to think my way out of this. Yeah. yeah. I could just think myself into feeling better. No, you you can't solve the problem with the same brain that's creating the problem. Exactly. I mean, that's what I did for years.
1: That is what I did for years until I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I can think and rationalize and calm myself down. And then I, I stopped being able to do it. Um, yep. Yeah.
0: I have an additional question comment from someone on my Patreon that came in after I sent you the, uh, sent you the questions. Okay. And I wanted to share this with you because I know that you probably are very well aware that what you do makes a difference. Um, but I also think that it's incredibly important and powerful to share that, you can get help for things that are scary and in your mind and that it won't make it worse it will make it better Mm -hmm. stephanie says um i would love for sarah to know that her series has helped me realize that i was in a toxic relationship and it was the first fantasy i've loved as dearly as harry potter so good on you um
1: I'm, like – I've, like, got, like, tears in my eyes right now.
0: I read this question and I teared up. Yeah. Now, her question is, do you know anyone who acts like Reese in real life? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know there are wonderful men out there, but Reese is the best hero I've ever read because he works so well with Pharaoh, so well. Like, their plans to save the world, and he encourages her at all costs. It's in just the way she needs him to. Are there heroes that inspired Reese, anyone in real life? Um, and if you know one, <laughs> I can connect you with Stephanie. You could set her up. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I constantly,
1: I constantly get asked is whether my husband um, was the inspiration for Reese. Because uh, my husband is, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, um, but also incredibly supportive of me and my career. Um, and I always tell readers, like, no, like my husband does not have wings. He did not inspire <laughs> Reese. But I mean, like, the. <laughs> Like, literally, like, like, I mean, like, we found, like, pictures on Instagram where, like, people, like, snapped photos of him, like, at an event, like, you know, waiting, like, you know, off to the side of the stage. And we're, like, you know, real-life Reese or something like that. Um, and people – so people refuse to believe that Josh, like, is not the real-life Reese. But in some ways, yeah, he is. Um, I mean, I gave him Reese's birthday. I, I gave Reese his birthday just as a, like, nod to the readers who have
0: <laughs> – Um,
1: But I mean, I, I think I'm able to write about that kind of relationship because that's the kind of relationship I have with my husband where he is so incredibly, I'm going to cry talking about this, but he is so incredibly supportive of me and my career, but also me as a human being. Um, And I mean I couldn't do any of what I do without him um, i mean he's he's my my manager, but also I mean he takes care of our son full time um but he's also my my rock He's the person that you know if something good something bad happens he is that first call I make um you know he's the person where if I see a an article on the New York Times, like I would call him up and tell him about it um you know like he he is my best friend. And I know a lot of people say that about their spouses, but he is literally my, my best friend. And, you know, we, we will laugh until we're crying at times, you know, over some stupid joke or, you know, something our son does. Um, and yes, yeah, so, I mean, Reese wasn't specifically inspired by my husband, but I think I was able to understand that kind of relationship and have Sarah and Reese develop that kind of relationship because of what I'm so blessed to have in my life. Um, and unfortunately Josh does not have any brothers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he does not even have like a a single, like an unmarried cousin that I could recommend. Um, I think all of his friends are married. <laughs> so um, unfortunately I got the only one. Um, but I mean I you know I think that's it's so important to find a partner a romantic partner who is supportive of you and you know Josh knows everything about me you know good and bad um and he has been with me on my my worst days um and he has held my hand through so many hard and awful things that have happened in my life um and you know, never, never wavered. Um, And he has cried with me and laughed with me. Um, And so for all my readers, like, I hope that they, they find that person for them that, um, you know, that, that, that can be their, their best friend and and their rock. Um, And I I think that's part of the appeal of Reese is that, you know, he is there for Feyre. He understands what she's going through. Um, He wants her to have you know, like you know, to obviously be his mate and his love, but he also wants her to have her own life with her own passions. Um and maybe subconsciously, you know, bits of my own relationship work their way into that. I, I have not like analyzed every single thing that Reese and Fair have done and compared it to like <laughs> my own life. But yeah, I think it ultimately just stems from the fact that I'm I'm fortunate enough to have this marvelous man in, in my life that has allowed me to kind of look at relationships, like Reese and Feyre's and, um, you know, kind of write, write them. Um, and I, and I love that people, you know, I love, I love that people are like obsessed with Reese because I'm obsessed with Reese.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're just writing your own catnip. I basically am. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Taryn asked me, and I don't know if this is a question you can answer, um, you use a lot of music. You've talked about how Crescent City was inspired by the, the Gravity soundtrack and you have playlists. How do you discover your music? Do you sort of stumble into it or are there pieces where you're like, this is evoking a feeling and I want to articulate this feeling?
1: Um, I mean, it's I have like, oh my God, like 20,000 songs in my iTunes library. Like I am a music junkie. I have zero musical talent um I love music. Um to give you an idea of how little musical talent I have. Um so when I was from when I was like 11 until I was about like 13 14 um I took piano lessons um and I made I made my parents I didn't make them but I kind of did. I made them buy me a piano like when I was starting. Like like so they invested in this piano cuz I was like, "Yes, I really want to play piano and like be great at it cuz I love music so much." Um I was fucking terrible at piano. Um, oh no. You have an idea of just how bad I was after 3 years of lessons with this like piano teacher who was I don't like talk like saying bad things about other women because I'm all about women supporting other women. But this woman was like this old ass witch and not the good <laughs> kind of witch that I love. Like I think I am like a witch. Like <laughs> I've got my I've got my crystals. I've got my, my white sage. Like I literally am like full-on like witch and I love witches. But this woman was like the wicked witch at the West. Like she was so such a nasty, mean old woman. I hated I hated her. I hated going to lessons with her. And after three years with this old has cranky woman um, we had this recital at stein i grew up in new york city and we had this recital at steinway hall in new york we're all oh we, as you do no pressure yeah, as we do and all of her students came to do the recital and i was fucking terrified um, and it got worse because these you know 7 year olds were going up and playing like you know pieces by chopin and i get up of course I get up to do my piece for the recital. And do you know what I played in front of all these people and these talented kids? I played My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. (laughs) And I fucked up half the song. No! no, My parents just like sunk down into their seats. I mean, this was like during the full Titanic phrase because like I mean I like I saw Titanic like three times in theaters and would cry myself to sleep over Jack dying like I was so obsessed and I like mangled the song um so yeah I did not play like Chopin or like anything fancy I played My Heart Will Go On um And so, and after that, I never had a single piano lesson. Um, My parents got rid of the piano. Parents are
2: like, might as well just pack it in. I think we're done here.
1: (laughs) We're done here. We're done. Um, Yeah. So despite that, um, I love music. I love classical music. I love, you know, like literally every kind of music. I mean, there's always music playing in my house when I'm working out. Um, and the stuff that I usually listen to when I'm writing is mostly movie scores, um, that I usually from movies that I have, you know, watched, but also just from some composers that I know I, I love and I'll, you know, listen to a soundtrack. Um, but I also like, you will listen to, I guess, contemporary, like modern music while I'm writing as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the music I, I mostly, like, I. it's weird for me to write a scene without music playing. Um, like, if I write a scene in silence, it's very bizarre to me, because usually music kind of provides the mood, the, I don't know, like, some of the action, maybe. I think my thing with movie scores is that there's, like, an inherent storytelling in the music itself, because it is literally providing, you know, the, the background to the story that it's being told. So there's something that, you know, connects with my creative brain um, with that kind of music. Um, but I mean, I also I just listen to everything. I mean, like right now, like I mean, my favorite band is Churches. I don't know if you ever heard of that band. They're like yes, that's, absolutely. I, that's like Churches is my favorite band. But then I'm also like super into like Casey Musgraves and um, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Like I mean, like, <laughs> like my music. And then like you know, Beethoven and Tchaikovsky. And like I, I listen to like. Everything, and I I connect to like almost every single kind of music. And um, I mean, I can be listening to you know the radio in the car, and I'll hear a song, and it will remind me so much of my characters, or just like sprout this idea in my head that I'll have to like take a like screenshot of the the song so I don't forget. Um, but then also like you know just write down ideas in that moment. Like there was a scene in um, Air of Fire, one we of the thrown of Glass books, that was inspired by um, imagine dragons radioactive and when I first heard the that song on the the radio like I literally saw this scene play out in my head um and like like I just it's this weird thing that I can't explain because again no musical talent I can't sing I literally can't do anything like with music but something about it just clicks with whatever brain chemistry is going on with the ideas and um, creates these stories in my head.
0: Do you have any favorite film soundtracks?
1: Um, Oh, man. There are a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of the Jaws soundtrack, which... (laughs) Oh, good one. (laughs) People have, like, this weird, like... They think it's just that, like... But, But the music, the score itself is actually brilliant and I mean I am such a fucking nerd like I mean I could tell you how the Jaws soundtrack was inspired by Stravinsky's Rite of Spring um, and like the certain notes like that and like Bambi like the Bambi soundtrack like also like Rite of Spring like you know like like like, they're, like a lot of the movie soundtracks like you can hear the influence of like classical composers in those that have built these iconic um like iconic scores I mean in, if you watch Bambi like the the music that plays when the hunters, like when man comes is like so similar to like, you know, some of the like jaw, like with jaws, like later on, like it's like that, like similar, like kind of two note, like pacing thing. Um, And yeah. Other favorite soundtracks, the gravity soundtrack, the like, I also love the signs soundtrack, like from like the M night Shyamalan film. Oh, that Uh, movie fucked me up. I love that movie. If that movie is on TV, I always watch it um like that is what like I love like disaster movies like I have watched San Andreas like <laughs> 15 times and it's a terrible like I love The Rock I love it like I love The Rock but that is a bad fucking movie and, if it was on TV I will watch the shit out of it like it was on TV last week and like I just put it on and watch the whole game. like with commercials like i, I just I love disaster movies independence day is one of my oh another favorite soundtrack independence day um but like i'm not like that's one of my favorite movies ever like i love like i guess seeing american Cities get destroyed by horrible things. I don't know. I just I, I love I mean, that was a joke to any readers. I really don't want that to ever happen to anybody. Um, but I don't know. I love disaster films. Um, and I mean, Twister was on the other night, and like that. Like, I, I I've seen that movie like twenty five. I, I, I Twister I think is actually a fantastic movie. <laughs> I
0: Sarah, it. I wrote I wrote a college paper about Twister. <gasps> Oh my! Could we be friends forever? <laughs> yes. Okay. I love that movie so much. I could quote it, and I wrote a whole paper about identical scenes that take place in multiple places, like when you, when you, when you first see her and her mom. And her dad. Mm-hmm. Later on, there's a there's a scene of another family, and they're all dressed the exact same way. So she keeps seeing her family in different parts of the film. I wrote a whole paper Holy about god. that motif. I love that movie. I, oh
1: my god! That, okay, ah. I like while we were doing this crazy virtual signing, we had like you know, the TV on to pass the time, and I put on Twister because it it was you know I I needed to watch it. And my father-in-law was like, I was like, have you ever seen this movie? And he was like no, like I, and and then like, I was like, I was like, it's, it's the best. But then like my mother-in-law was like, we saw this in theaters. Like, don't you remember? He had no memory of it. Um, and then like, I was like, I kept watching like his face to see like if he was into it. No, I mean, granted we were like, you know, packaging books and like putting like, like postage on like, you know, the boxes and everything. So it wasn't really like sit down watching, but like, he just like, I don't know. Like, I thought at least when, like, the sister tornadoes were coming, like, he would get into it, but no. Were you, like,
2: nudging him or, like, watch this part? This is a part. This is a good
1: part. Yeah, well, I, I kept making, <laughs> like, subtle little comments being, like, ooh, this is a good scene. <laughs> but no. no it, and, it, I it, mean, it.
0: let's be real. Carrie Elwes has the best worst southern accent oh, in my the whole God. world.
1: I still get, like, sad when he dies. But, like, then I'm it, also, like, yeah, you fucker. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> He definitely made some strides
2: in the Southern accent department. <laughs> he was in the recent season of Stranger Things, and he played an evil mayor. And his Southern yeah, accent yeah, is yeah, I
1: forgot he was in that. Yeah. Oh, I, I love Stranger Things. I, the third season, I fucking loved that season. Um, Uma Thurman's yeah. daughter is a treasure. Oh my god, she <laughs> oh my god, like I how, like, that she was my favorite part of the whole season. And I mean like I just she's such a fantastic. Actress and I loved that character and I love that whole like the the scoop troop. Is that what they call it? Like, yeah. that? Like the whole bond. Like I that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Like I literally have chills right now, and I don't know why. The uh, scene <laughs> <the>, where <laughs> the
2: the where Dustin sings the never ending story uh oh, teams I
1: was I, in tears I, with like I, that was like my okay, okay. <laughs> never it like, was like one of those movies that I grew up with so it just like and like I used to sing that song like you know to myself like obsessively and so seeing that I was like this is my life like this like level of humiliation and awkwardness and that was just so brilliant I yeah I I
0: loved it I
1: I, I like I want the next season immediately
0: <laughs> I feel like we've hit this amazing nerdception at this moment yeah. <laughs> This is like the most fun. I'm having the greatest time. Oh, Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. So I've already, we've already talked a lot. One of the questions I like to ask um, when we do an interview, I like to ask, you know, what you do to look after your creative self. And we've already talked about therapy and exercise Mm -hmm. music and, you know, having, having children and wonderful supportive spouses. Is there anything you want to add to that? list or have we kind of covered that? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I like to do
1: is I actually ex- I like to take time off from writing every now and then to just let my brain rest and I don't know. I mean, like I I fully believe in like making sure that I have a life and that's something I've struggled with cuz you know, juggling multiple books a year requires a lot of time um, and so I'm still learning, you know, how to balance being Gollum in my cave. Unwalked and alone um with you know getting out into the world and seeing things and um it's funny because usually if I get stuck writing something like you know, writing a scene I'll just, if I go take a walk it'll just like being out in the world like will just free something in my brain um, oh
0: yeah
1: I also take a lot of like baths, like meditative baths where I like put on like Tibetan singing bowl
0: music and like light candles. Sarah
2: like a- is anti-bath. I am pro-bath. <laughs> and I'm not anti-bath
0: because I don't like the concept of being in warm water. I actually love it. I just get cold so easily that I can never stay warm. Well, However, I, really- I will park my ass in the shower water. for a year. Do you know? Okay. So recently,
1: this is the stupidest story of all time. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for it. Please oh, my, tell. Okay. So recently – so. One night, my son had his bath, and then my husband, we put him to bed, and then immediately after, my husband jumped into the shower, and we've got one of those showers with, like, a rain shower, then, like, jets coming out of the wall. Like, it's awesome. So he started his shower, and then I started my bath. And, like, halfway through the tub filling up, the hot water ran out. No! No! And so I got so fucking upset and mad that when my husband came out of the shower, I popped my head out of my like little spa bathroom. That's what I call it. It's not a fancy bathroom. It is literally just like this like sad tub, <laughs> it's just, like one bathroom that no one uses. I popped my head out of the bathroom and I was like, you motherfucker, you used up all my hot water. And then, and then he like looked at me just like, what? And I was like, I have no hot water for my bath, for my meditative bath. I was like, I just put in Fifty dollars worth of salts and oils, and now like, <laughs> I'm gonna waste all that money. And so I was like, "You should go fill up some pots of water and boil them for me, and put them in the tub." <laughs> and so then, I and mean, he just was like, "Okay." And he walked downstairs, and so I just like sat in the bathroom, like with my candles and like Tibetan like singing bowls going and simmering floor. in your own like, I was just, like so... Mad, and then I'm like, I just was like, I, I climbed into my lukewarm tub, and I was like, this fucking sucks. This motherfucker, like, quit <laughs> him. Twenty minutes later, like, there's a knock on the bathroom door, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I, I like, I, I was like, I told you not to disturb me during my bath time. When <laughs> I, I, I climb out of the bath, and then there he is with a giant like lobster pot full of. Like, oh. <laughs> stretch- And he went and did it for me. And I was like, I am such a fucking piece of shit. Like, I was (laughs) was joking. I was like, I was joking about boiling water for me. I was like, oh my God. Like, he literally boiled it in our kitchen and then like carried it all the way upstairs. Um, And so then like he like dumped it into the tub and then like it was enough hot water. And by that point, the hot, like more hot water had actually filled up in the house. So I was able to have my hot bath. And then when I came downstairs, he already had a second pot boiling for me. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, like I am such like, a You're like
2: person. I'm a garbage
1: person. I was, I was like, I am a piece of shit. I was like, I'm <laughs> the worst fucking person of all time um but like he knows how much i love my baths so like i mean i guess he felt guilt like i don't know like well, i'm a monster like <laughs> I'm a monster when it comes to my baths yeah so that is my bath story i immediately regret telling that story cuz it makes me look like a awful person and my husband is obviously a saint for putting up with me um but i take my baths like very serious like maybe a little too Seriously. Um, but that's, you know, I kind of, when I'm lying in the bath, like sweating it out with my like beautiful salts and oils and like my music going and the candles going, like, I don't know. There's some, like, it's like a whole ritual that I have that's like an unwinding of the day. And I do some of my, my meditation in the bath. Um, and I don't know. I just find it a nice way for me to unwind. Um, and I, I mean, I started doing yoga recently too. And I actually, freaking love that. I never thought I would say that in a million fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> but I love yoga. Um, just because I think it is, at least for my creative brain, a time for my creative brain to almost turn off and the act of breathing and focusing on like what I am doing with my body and being present in every motion just because like I have like my hamstrings are so fucking tight that I need all of my concentration just to like lift my leg towards the ceiling um you know like that is good for me um I see I I
2: love yoga I can conk out in child's pose like I will fall right asleep like head to the mat I'm out but like (laughs) during other poses it's like be present but like my mind wanders. It's like, yeah. Do they have condoms for micro penises? Like it's just like this weird <laughs> brain spiral of
1: like things I'm gonna <laughs> Google when I get out of here. Like <laughs> Well that's I usually like I usually have to like check my email like five times before I begin like yoga or exercise, just to make sure like I'm not like missing anything. And then like once once I start, like I just I forget. And that's, and that's thing. like, that's what I found that I find like very addictive. And I love is the being able to forget about everything else. But then my, my mind does wander. Not to condoms for my <laughs> um, Oh, we were like having, a, I feel like my family, like me and my in-laws and husband were talking about someone like literally last night who had an inverted penis I don't even know. Like this is how much <laughs> my like me and my husband and like his parents. Like we are like every, like I shouldn't How do even- they
2: feel about the sexy times in the books then?
1: Oh well, the first when my, my mother in laws read like, you know, all my books and when she read um Akatar the first time, the the first thing she asked me was, Were these sex scenes inspired by you and Josh? <laughs> <laughs> no. God, we're talking about your son first of all, and no, like no, I'm not like banging him and taking notes on like you know positions. Um, I mean, Hang on, honey, let me grab a pen. <laughs> yeah, I, but like I just so she, I mean, yeah, she's she's cool with that. Oh. Thankfully, she has not asked me that question since then. um But oh. yeah, that was like, but that that was like my first book with an actual like sex, like on the page sex scene in it. So I guess like people. A lot of my family had a lot of questions for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have like a, like a press conference for your family. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thanksgiving. I got up and made a
0: speech. Game on. I always ask this question. All right. What books that you've enjoyed do you want to tell people about? Give us all your romance recs. Tell us all the books.
1: Oh, man. Okay. Books that I would recommend to anyone. Um, I mean, if you like YA, I read this book called Serpent and Dove by Shelby Meher. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Where that's like a, like a hate to love romance and like really cool world building. Like it's about like witches and like the elite witch hunters who are sworn to kill them. And like a, a witch in hiding gets married to one of these witch hunters. So it's like a marriage of convenience type plot um, and he has no idea that she's a witch um, and that like if if she's found out like he has to kill her Um, and so they like you know slowly fall in like two enemies slowly fall in love Um, and I just like I got that an arc of that book and I you know it arrived on my doorstep and I meant just to skim the first you know paragraph like as I opened the package and then you know, jump ahead and it's one in the morning and I haven't put the book down. Um, Oops. It was, I loved that book. I mean, I love anything by Nalini Singh, like her Guild Hunter series, um, her so good books. Um, she has a new, like a new thriller, Madness of Sunshine. That's like, I, she's so fucking talented. Um, I, I like, I want everyone to read all of Nalini Singh's books. Like, cause I think, I mean, her world building Brilliant. Um I mean Please tell me you've read Alona Andrews. Uh yes, the magic I've read The Magic Bites, The Kate Daniels. You need to read the Hidden Legacy
2: series. It's like yeah. magical houses set in urban fantasy Houston.
1: Oh my god, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> I am here for that. I will add that <laughs> to the list. Um who else? I mean Karen Marie Moning's Fever series is one of my favorite series. Um, ever Mac, the main character's evolution from this southern, you know, party girl esque person to this badass warrior um, is probably my favorite like character arc of all time. I just recently reread um, uh, the Wallflowers series by um, Lisa. Do you have a favorite? Um, I don't know. Maybe the is it the devil? Devlin Devil Winter, Devil in is Winter. Like the
2: standout favorite.
1: Yeah, I mean that that pro, I mean that yeah, that one I think is my favorite. Um, that was like when I like when I wanted when I decided to reread them. It was because I wanted to get to that book <laughs> again. Uh, but I love all of them. I mean i I devoured the series so fast the first time that I think I missed a lot of the female empowerment elements of it. Um, and then when I read it the second time, I was like, man, like this is just like brilliant. And I, I just re- I moved into a new house um, in the past two years. But again, Gollum writing in my cave, I never like go out. So I, I just recently met two of my neighbors who are also um moms and they love to read. And so I was we went out for drinks and I was like gushing to them about the wallflowers books. And I just got like a text from one of them being like, I'm already on book three. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well done. Yeah, so I'm like excited to like spread the word about because like she had never read historical rom she's read his like historical books, but like never mm-hmm. historical romance. And I was like, oh honey like welcome to this amazing, amazing world. Um yeah and what else did I read recently? Oh, I read a book. I mean, this wasn't, like, recent. This just shows you, like, how little reading I've done lately. Um, Evie Drake Starts Over. Is that how Evie Drake, yes. Evie Drake starts over? I actually, I loved that book. I, lo- I love that. There's something, like, very cozy about that book, which I can't. Yes. I, like, I love those books where it's, like, I don't know. I just feel, like, cozy reading it. and Like, you can curl up in bed and read it and, like, I don't know. I, I, I actually want to read that book again just because I loved it so much.
0: And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Sarah J. Mass for hanging out with us and having such an incredibly... Thoughtful and wonderful conversation. I keep using the word wonderful, and that's the best one I can come up with. If you would like to find her, you can find her at her website sarahjmass.m M-A-A-S dot com. On Instagram, she's the real s j mass, and you can find out upcoming tour information at worldofsarahjmass dot com slash events. I will have links to all of these places in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks dot slash podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to join our Patreon and help make sure that every episode is transcribed and get early heads up about nifty interviews like this one, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. As always, I end every episode with a terrible, terrible joke, and I really like this one, which means it's terrible. Like, it's really, really bad. You ready? Here we go. Did you hear about the new band called Duvet? Yeah, Duvet. They're a cover band. (laughs) <laughs> it's so stupid i love it <laughs> and you know what duvet is a great name for a band <laughs> thank you to too cool to socialize for that terrible terrible joke duvet <laughs> it's a cover band <laughs> i am the most easily amused person i swear on behalf of everyone here including my dog who has been thankfully very quiet while i did this we wish you the very best of reading have a great weekend and we will see you back here next week Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts. All right. I'm now recording our conversation. Do I have your consent to record you? Yes, you do. Yes. Thank you. Hey, Amanda, I can record you, yeah. right? Yes, you can. I-, I figured you were fine with it because we've done this before. <laughs> okay. I am so excited to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. Levitating. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. I'm really excited. Oh, thank you. Uh, that That is that is so incredible. When when we heard from your publicist, I was like, holy crap, seriously? <laughs> Although maybe maybe I should make it a goal to have as many excellent Sarahs on the podcast in a year as I can. <laughs> the year of Sarah's. That's what I was
2: thinking. Yeah. Like the year yeah. of Penny from Happy Endings, if anyone has watched that.
0: No. Have I- you have you thought about changing your name, Amanda? Uh,
2: well, I have a cousin named Sarah. Um, oh, that works. And I was very upset growing up because the biblical meanings, like Amanda means beloved. And Sarah means like princess, oh, and yeah. I was yeah. fucking pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to be a princess. What oh my- is this? <gasps> sorry,
1: sorry. There's no. a, the dog. The dog is barking. Sorry. It's
2: if you fine. We have animal noises on the podcast all the time.
0: Okay. Oh good. yeah, my dog <laughs> will definitely bark. And uh, what happens is the animals get a line in the in the transcript. So Annie will have Annie bark. So oh, it's great. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> Animal noises. If the garbage truck shows up, like the UPS person arrives. It's great. No worries. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. So now that we have established what a professional high grade operation I am running here, <laughs>